This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 9, Episode 5. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network of podcasts brought to you by KSG Armory Holsters. Today is Thursday, August 3rd, 2023, as of the recording of this episode, and I am your host, Riley Bowman. And of course, you see here along with me, co-host and producer extraordinaire, (laughs) Matthew Marister. I'm here with you, man. How are you doing? Great. Of course, if people were part of our pre-show conversation, uh, they would they would find humor in me if I you know if I had introduced you as Matthew Big Brain Marister. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now let's not go with that one because I can't live up to those expectations. So. Uh, Matthew was just telling me a minute ago how he's not paid to think, and I'm like, I don't know about that, dude. (laughs) I don't know about that. <laughs> well, today we're glad to be with you all uh, for, a, for well, they're always a special episode. Uh, this special episode today, we're going to be talking about improving discipline in our shooting performance or in other categories as well. We'll see where the conversation today, where it leads us. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by LASR or the laser app that stands for laser activated shot reporter software available at laserapp.com LASRAPP.com. And also today's episode sponsored by barrelblock.com. That's barrelblock just with a K, K B L O K, barrelblock.com. And also dryfireproshop.com. A relatively uh, new endeavor, a one-stop shop for all your dry fire uh, gear needs. Head on over to dry, dryfireproshop.com. And what are we talking about again today? Improving discipline in your shooting. And this is inspired by the most recent Shooter Ready Challenge video that's published on shooterreadychallenge.com. Uh, feel free to go over there when we're done with the podcast and, and view that video. Uh, Shooter Ready Challenge is intended to be a monthly dry fire oriented video series that hopefully inspires you, gives you ideas, tips, tricks, suggestions, and best practices related to conducting yourself in dry practice or dry fire practice. Uh, because we want you to, to to be doing dry fire and we want you to succeed. And sometimes it's hard to even know what to do in dry fire. So uh, fortunately, there's a whole library now of shooter rate challenge videos you can go through. You can go back in the archive and find all kinds of ideas. So recently in Shooter Rate Challenge, we featured the uh, still challenge stage known as Accelerator. You've seen a couple of these over the last few months from us as we've been introducing these, rolling these out bit by bit. Uh, and and try not to like dump all these on all of you all at once. So try to like mix these in along with some of the other, you know, ideas and things that we uh, share on Shooter Rate Challenge. Accelerator is a fun one. Uh, basically, if you're not familiar with Steel Challenge, uh, just a quick overview, you always shoot five steel targets on every Steel Challenge stage, and they use different size targets, and they arrange them in different positions and different distances to create different shooting challenges. It's a, a really fun sport, frankly. It's it, A lot of people can get into Steel Challenge really easily because just about any 
gun you can find a place for in Steel Challenge. You can shoot Steel Challenge with 22 pistols, 22 rifles. Uh, the youngsters really enjoy that. Of course, you can use your standard, uh, you know, center fire, nine millimeters, 40s, even 45s if you wanted to in various divisions in Steel Challenge. And there's also a, a PCC division as well. So, you know, the only thing I think you can't really do is use a shotgun or a center fire rifle or as far as like a high powered rifle. Okay. So again, you can use like a nine millimeter uh, or even like a 45, you know, I think caliber PCC if you wanted to. So um, lots of opportunities in Steel Challenge. You always shoot the five, five steel targets and you can shoot them in any order you want, but there's going to be one of those that's identified as the stop plate, as they call it, or the stop target. And it's identified because it sits on a red pole or stand. So the red one is the one you end on. And so uh, the the I, I like these because they're, they're I mean they're fun shooting challenges. Uh, they're relatively easy to set up, even if you don't have the fancy uh, targets up on the wall like what you see me use in, in the steel in the shooter rate challenge video uh you can very easily mock these up yourself and uh you know put up uh you, you can just you can take a piece of paper and and draw targets on their post-it note and stick it up on the wall and and mock these up and create them yourselves so um easy to do easy to set up and it's good practice even if you're a defensive oriented shooter uh or that's the thing you're most passionate about i think there's a lot of benefit gained from participating in still challenge and other similar shooting sports, but also in just doing this kind of practice in dry fire because the shooting challenges have carryover or crossover into uh, other uses of guns as well. So, um, so today though, we're talking about improving discipline in our shooting. And by that, the accelerator drill Really what it is, is it's like two different levels of throttle control as part of the same stage. Uh, so you've got a small target and a big target up close. And you have a small target and a big target far away. And then, of course, you have the stop plate, which is kind of in, in, in between in between those. And it's kind of a smaller target as well. Um, and so you have like, you know, have a target up close or you have two targets up close where one you can shoot, you know, pretty easily and pretty quickly because it's, it's a pretty big target. And then you have one that's small. So, you know, whichever order you shoot that in, you can go fast and slow or you can go slow and fast. Okay. Um, and then the far targets, you've got, again, the kind of the, they're the exact same targets as what you have up close. Uh, so a small one and a big one. Again, one's going to be shot a little bit faster than the other one. Actually, quite a bit faster, most likely. So so it's, it's a fun challenge in that it's like, okay, I've got to throttle up, then down, up close, and I got to throttle up, then down, far away, or or vice versa. Okay, however, whichever direction you want to shoot those, and so that that creates, I think, a unique challenge. And I think one of the things that shooters struggle with the most on something like that, Matthew, is discipline. Uh, with you know, as far as it, it, it it's it kind of becomes its own trap where it sucks you into wanting to shoot things either too fast than what you're capable of or taking too long because you know you that that can happen too that's pro, that's usually less mm -hmm. of the issue but it can happen so that's our focus yeah. today to talking about discipline and and I want to hear kind of your first thoughts on that yeah well I mean I and so you kind of mentioned on the steel challenge that like 
Um, we've covered other steel challenges before, and some of the elements are similar. You talked about like, um, you know, kind of modulating your speed or, or, um, what you like to be like to refer to it as throttle control or, um, you know, that type of, um, you know, large targets, small targets, and now we're putting them at those large and small targets at distance and closer. So, um, different sight pictures, right. For, for each one. And, and, um, and then, so we also talked about, you know, it, uh, transitions, transitioning from one, one target to another. So those are like elements that, you know, we have in many of these steel challenges. And, and of, oftentimes when we're talking, we've talked about these specific elements of shooting individually on different podcasts before. So, you know, without rehashing all of that, um, I think the discipline aspect comes in like, if you, it, and it's something that, you know, personally, I, I, I struggled, struggle with continually. Um, something that I, I know, you know, my weaknesses is, is, you know, having enough, I guess, knowing how to shoot is different than actually applying what you know, right? Like in the moment. So like, I might know, Hey, I need to take a, a you know, a, a more refined, I have to have a re- more refined sight picture and, and trigger press on a target that's smaller. I know that in my mind, but in the, in the moment of shooting, I feel like the pressure to go faster. And I just came from a larger target that I didn't have to have as refined, you know, uh, of a process. So, um, so now I transition to this in, instead of being disciplined enough to, not only recognize it, but control it and, you know, make the right shot or, or make the right, um, press trigger press necessary to get the hit. I go, I took, go too quick, you know? Um, and so I think that that's, that's where the, the, the dry fire practice helps so much because you can, you can go through these iterations so many times through dry fire practice and you don't get you, I, I, at least when I'm, you know, running through dry fire, I don't get as discouraged as when I'm on, you know, on the range and, and you miss, you, you miss, you know, and, and it's like, oh man, okay. You, you have to set it up and set the drill up and, and all this up. But like when you're going through dry fire through like a, uh, using something like LSR that um, records your shots and stuff. It's so the process is so quick. You're like, okay, I messed that up. Let me do it in, in two seconds. You're back to running it again. So you can get so many more iterations and so many more, like, I guess like pictures in your mind of what that looks like, what it looked like when you had a good shot and what it looked like when you rushed it. And so you can, I think the process of like smoothing that out becomes you know, and obviously you have to, you have to confirm all this through live fire and not just saying just dry fire, but the practice of dry fire, I think is, is really, uh, important in this aspect of, of like trying to become disciplined, um, in, in not only, you know, telling somebody how to do something and them saying, yeah, I get it. And then actually performing that is are two different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, you're exactly where I'm at on this, uh, in that, like you said something about, you know, shooting and understanding the concept or whatever, you know, like being able to do it in just practice is one thing, but then anytime there's a little bit of pressure or stress, or you feel like you got to, you know, get it done, you know, like there's a sense of urgency, if you will, that uh, it's really easy for that, for those, well, number one, for those skills to fall apart, and especially for this idea of discipline to start to fall apart as well. Um, 
Mm-hmm. We see that we see examples of that all the time. In fact, uh, so recently I saw an officer involved shooting where he was engaging his threat from somewhere around 25 yards. I'd say, honestly, like it's hard to, to know exactly what the distance was, uh, but, but 20, you know, probably 25 yards is a pretty good number. It might be, it might've been 20, but it might've been, it been as much as 30, but in the end, it's, you know, not all that dissimilar. Um, 20 is a pretty good distance for pistol shooting, especially at, at a, you know, in a, with a sense of urgency, 30 is definitely, you know, pretty challenging too. So, uh, and he ended up shooting a more than, a, I think, a magazine worth of ammo during the course of this engagement uh, and only connected like one or two shots, you know, and a lot of the shots fired, I mean, were very obviously, I mean, it's just, it's basically just mag dumping, you know, it's like, oh, threat. Bop, 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 you know, and just, I'm just going to keep sending rounds until he stops, you know, and, mm-hmm. and like, okay, you know, basically accuracy by volume, right? <laughs> like I can send it, you know, if I send enough rounds that direction, eventually something's got to connect, right? Uh, kind of thinking. Uh, and so, you know, I'm not trying to like blame this cop or be, you know, too judgmental or harsh on him because cops have a tough job. Um you know, certainly there are examples of, of poor cops out there. And I'm not saying this one is one. I'm just saying it's a tough job. You know, this might be your first shooting that you've ever been involved in. You might not, you know, know what to expect. And all of a sudden you're called upon to do something that, that you've not had to do before. And, and that's, and that's a, that's a big chat. That's a big test right there is like, Oh, all of a sudden these skills matter. You know, all of a sudden I have to deal with this, with this problem. And so what I'm saying, you know, reason I'm bringing this all up is I don't know what the actual, say, shooting skill of this officer is. Uh, I mean, I think I have kind of an idea based on what I could see from the officer's point of view, you know, body-worn camera. But but honestly, the actual skill level is, I mean, certainly it matters, but it's irrelevant in the context of what we're trying to discuss here. What I can tell you is that from the results, meaning like one or two hits out of like 20 rounds or something fired, um, suggests that there was a lack of discipline in, in, in shooting there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there's reasons for that. Okay. Cause whoa, the, the, the severity, the, 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 you know, criticalness, you know, of the criticality, if you will, of this event, like calls for immediate action. And there's a lot of pressure to get that done. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's, again, like you touched on it sometimes, you know, it's, Hey, doing it is one thing, doing it in practice is another thing, but then having pressure put on you and being able to hold yourself to a certain performance standard it's hard to do, and that's why discipline is is important. That's why we're talking about it here today. Yeah, and I and I think like um, in in anything we do, whether whatever anything we're trying to learn, whether it's like a physical skill or or you know, um, discipline. I think is just like you know we have it's it's trying to get our I guess. Um, prepare ourselves in, in some sort of principle or habit, you know, and then being able to apply that, 
um, when, when it, when it's necessary is like the application part of that. But like, I think, you know, and, I, and we don't have to go off on this, but I just wanted to touch on like discipline as like, yes, there's a discipline in the process of shooting that we're kind of talking about, but there's also a discipline in like how you, how you, that you're actually practicing and getting and building those skills, right? Like, so there, there has to be a discipline in how you, how you practice and how you train and, and those types of things so that you can develop those skills. Because I, I mean, granted, probably a lot of the people that are listening to the show enjoy shooting to some degree. They enjoy the process. They enjoy, you know, firearms in general, but they actually like shooting. Um, there's probably some people that carry a firearm that are like, I'm not a big, you know, I don't like to shoot that much, but I see the value in having a firearm to protect myself. So for those people going out to the range and shooting, it might require some discipline, right? Of like, Hey, I'm going to do this, even though I don't really want to do this, or it's not enjoyable or, you know, for people that like to go shoot, they might go out to the range once a month or twice a month or, you know, but not everybody is in that boat. So like, I think, you know, we're talking about discipline and improving your shooting. And, and I think that it might even start earlier than that. Like, Hey, I, I need some discipline in how I train. And, and maybe we go back even further and say, I need some discipline in disciplining myself to actually carry a firearm on a daily basis. If that's what I'm going to do for self-defense, like it, it, you know, so there's these processes that we, we go through and these things that we do to kind of, build ourselves up to, to be able to perform a certain level or to be able to do something. And, um, I think, you know, we're talking specifically about maybe the discipline in applying your, 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 you know, your skills in, in a specific incident, but, um, it certainly could be applied to training in general, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, Let's talk. I think there's two two things we could address here. Uh, one is talking about what discipline in, say, your sight picture needs to look like or what that looks like. And then we could probably also address ways or strategies or tips for how to develop greater discipline in our practice so that it, you know, so that it carries over into, um, real world performance. Uh, and so, so let's, let's start first by talking about what that looks like. I think that's, I think, I think that's relevant to address and to, to talk about. So hopefully people can, um, start trying to emulate this or do this in practice. But first I do need to do a quick episode uh, sp- or sponsor spot, which uh, our first sponsor today is laserapp.com uh, is the website. Laser app is the software we've been using for years now in our personal dry fire practice. I know Matthew's familiar with it. I use it. Jacob uses it. A lot of the guys on our team use the laser app software and we feature it specifically the laser X version of the software in our monthly shoot array challenge drill videos and show, I mean, a part of that's not only showing people like the drill, but also kind of showing like, this is how you can set it up and this is what you can do in the software. And this is the kind of things that you can measure. And I think part of 
developing discipline, Matthew, is is actually being able to measure your performance and knowing what you can and cannot do. So I'm going to come back to that and, t- and talk and explore that a little bit more. Uh, but to, to conclude my episode sponsor spot here for a laser app, guys, check them out. Uh, I think it's worth every penny you pay. I think it is a valuable dry fire tool because it, it, because of that aspect that you can measure very precisely your performance in dry fire practice, which is something that's normally and traditionally kind of hard to do. Uh, before you know anything like this existed, you had to just pretty much rely on um, yourself to be honest with yourself, and you could use a shot timer with par time set, and you know, but then you're still like, hey, did I get that? drill thing done or the draw done or the trigger press or whatever done before that second beep. Sometimes it's hard to know. Certainly it's hard to know with any degree of precision. And so I think it's great to check, at least consider checking out laser app software today, go to laserapp.com and consider signing up or downloading the software. So as I mentioned a moment ago, a part of, I think developing discipline um you know maybe i said we were going to talk about what discipline in your site picture looks like um but let me go here first (laughs) and then maybe we'll so maybe we'll go in reverse order what i said a, a little while ago um part of developing discipline is in especially in practice is in measuring your performance measure. I mean, and when I say, anytime I say performance and I like some guys, I think probably hear performance, performance in shooting and like their brain switched off. Cause they think that's like a competition term. Uh, performance is performance, bro. You know, if you got, mm-hmm. if you, if you are shooting competition or training for competition, yeah, that's, that's evident. It's a performance sport. If you are concerned about your performance in a self-defense encounter, yeah, that's performance. And yes, there is a shot timer involved. You just don't know what the part-time is. Because the part time is undetermined, and the part time is whenever your your opponent ends up putting you out of the fight, right? So it is a performance. It's a performance endeavor, uh, no matter which way you know which side of the house you primarily reside on. Uh, and so it's important, I think, to measure performance when you're practicing. And here's why. And I think this is what helps actually us establish some basis for discipline and allows us to um, hold ourselves accountable to that. Because if we don't measure what we can do, then we don't know what our limits are. And if we don't know what our limits are, it's hard to, uh, to establish criteria or almost like algorithms, if you will, like formulas uh, that, that, that keep you, you know, operating within those parameters right? To, that can kind of give you this, because in the moment when you have a shooting problem present itself, um, you, I mean, there's a certain set of parameters that you need to fall within in terms of your performance, because either you're too slow or you outrun your headlights, right? And, and, and that happens be a lot of times, I think, with shooters, because they just don't know where their limits are, and so it's imperative, it's incumbent upon you and all of us, if you care enough about 
performing well under stress, especially, you need to know where your limits are. You need to know where the wheels fall off at. You need to know what you can get away with and what you cannot. Because if you do not know that, then it's, I mean, you're just, you're pulling it out of your butt. (laughs) I'm sorry to say, Mm -hmm. like, you just, uh, yeah. I mean, we see it time and time again, time and time again. And so we can modulate our output, meaning I can ramp up speed, ramp down speed, you know, while still hitting the targets I need to, um, based on target difficulty, because, I mean, there's, there's strategies for doing that. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk here in a bit about, um, what that should look like, but if you don't know what your limits are, that's hard to do mm-hmm. because you, you just, yeah. you just, you have no, you have like no context for where, where the limits are at. And so it becomes very easy for you to push beyond those. And that's how you end up like that officer involved shooting. I mentioned a bit ago where all of a sudden you're shooting way faster than what you're capable of based on that particular target difficulty. Yeah. And I, and I think quantifying one, one of the things that you could do to improve, you know, your improve in the way you, you, you practice and the way you dry fire and the, and, and the way you develop skill is to quantify. And we've talked about this before, but quantifying those, those times. And, and we're not talking about like, we've gotten down to where it says, hey, where we said like, Hey, the, these times are generally like, you know, the average time for a concealed carrier. And this is what, you know, it, this is the amount of time it takes for somebody who, you know, a threat who's facing away from you to turn around and recognize it. So like, this is how long it would take you to, you know, you would need a draw speed of this time to, you know, solve this, uh, you know, uh, this, this problem of this, this person facing away. And this is how much time, but like in general, knowing your capabilities allows you to, you know, by quantifying through dry fire and through knowing how long does it take me to get, you know, uh, draw to first shot? How, how do I transition? How do I, how, how long does it take me to, you know, uh, transition between these two targets in, 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 in distances and sizes and get accurate shots and, and, you know, what, what's, what's a, a normal time. And then you, you, you add, you know, if, okay, if I'm under stress or, or, you know, this is under perfect circumstances and I've been going through, you know, 15 iterations and kind of, you know, my, my time's been coming down gradually. Well, you can't just take your best time and be like, well, that's my performance because that's, that's not how you're probably going to perform draw, you know, cold, it, you know, it, when, when, when the, you know, when you're walking down the street or whatever. So, um, we understand that. And then, so when we start to look at these problems and, 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 and I've always done this in my mind, and I know a lot of, you know, you guys that, and, and gals that listen, like you, what a scenario things and you see scenarios, you're standing in, in line somewhere and you're looking, you're like, okay, if this guy did this and where would I go? And these are the, my, my, you know, positions of cover. And this is, so you have to have an idea of your performance because if not, then you have this idea like you're John Wick and you're what a scenarioing and you're like, well, if this happens, I'm going to roll and dive behind this trash can and come up one handed and shoot and I'll grab it, you know, and it's like, 
No, like you can't, you, you have to know your capability. So you know what you can perform like, and then use that actual performance in however you're looking at, you know, the world around you. And I think that you'll end up, um, realizing your deficiencies if you do it that way and it'll kind of drive you to to train a little bit more and i think that's where a lot of times we overestimate our abilities and then we don't train or we don't practice enough because we're like oh, i you know i i i know i can hit this target at 20 yards and it's not a big deal but then when you actually try to do it it's like maybe you're doing it six out of ten times well that's okay on the range you know but not when your life's at stake or, or whatnot. So, um, I don't know. If I think it's only that, six out of 10 yeah. times, it's not a dependable skill yet. Right. Right. It's right. It's 60%. So, I mean, a baseball um, so, that's passable, but you know, that's well, a great yeah, batting average. Hall of Famer, but, <laughs> but, but like, you know, not, not when you're uh, trying to defend your life. So, but yeah, so it's, I think all these things like discipline in, actually quantifying. And sometimes it's hard for us to do because we don't want to quantify it because that means like maybe what, what the numbers are saying or what's actually our performance is, isn't exactly what we, we think it is or what we think we are, you know, and we can go two ways. We can look at it and say, well, you know, I, I'm not going to do that. That's, that's not for me. I know what my skills are and the time I'm going to rise to the occasion or whatnot, or we can say, okay, let me work on this and, and get to this, this next level or, or performance level. And, uh, I think it, it can help discipline us in getting to those levels. We set benchmarks and goals and we can reach those yeah. things. I, I really like what you said there. And I'll just add to that before we move on to the next thing a little bit, um, that w- one of the, one of the reasons why developing discipline in your shooting, which as I described a minute ago, part of being able to do that is learning where your limits are, uh, and kind of knowing who you are, like what you're capable of skill wise as a shooter, uh, is because that also helps reinforce being a little bit more disciplined, uh, in the decision making department as well. And let me explain what I mean by that. So if you have good knowledge, like really solid truth-like knowledge of who you are as a person, as a shooter, as far as what your skills are, meaning what you, like you have a distinct understanding of what you can and cannot do skill-wise, then that also helps feed into the more decision-making side of the equation, which becomes very relevant in a self-defense context, right? Because I mean, Matthew, I'm sure you've met some of you know these these guys and gals. I've I've met some people too that are that handle themselves very well out on the streets, whether as police officers or whatever, because they're very confident in who they are. And even and they don't even necessarily have to be the most skilled people, but they're con- like, but they know who they are as a person. They know what they can and cannot do, and that gives a person a certain level of confidence. And so then you're a lot better able to make wise decisions for you in situations you encounter because you know what you can and cannot do. So you're not going mm-hmm. to make a decision that gets you in trouble. That puts you know, because it puts you in, in a 
place in a bad place, you know, that, that all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, I didn't sign up for this. This I'm in over my head now. Like you're not going to end up in that kind of situation because you don't allow it to occur in the first place. Cause you understand your limitations. Okay. Meanwhile, if it, it also reinforces making good sound tactical decisions and choices as far as when to engage, uh, you know, with a, with an adversary, because you, Especially we're in the self-defense context where or we're always playing the reactionary game, meaning that we we don't get to draw first blood necessarily. I mean, like it, we might draw a technical first blood, so don't read into that too critically. But we're always it's always a game of defense, right? It's not one of offense, meaning that I don't use deadly force or I don't really use force of any kind, period. Unless there is a provocation and there's a justification, something that the other party does that provides that justification, right? That says, okay, now I'm justified in using force, particularly deadly force, right? And so we, in other words, we always need to be a little bit reluctant to use force, right? And if I understand my limits really well, and I have confidence in that, then I can allow things to maybe go a bit further and I know it sounds maybe scary to some people, but some people have gotten involved in incidents that they shouldn't have because they or they got involved too soon, right? And they went too far, meaning they it was a, a an overuse of force or they used force where maybe wasn't like maybe it was kind of a gray area. And then by the time it all sorts itself out and you go to trial or whatever, and like all like you're you're on the wrong side of the law. Right. But if you have a greater level of skill and more importantly, you know where your limits are, then you are a lot more confident in not engage not engaging in a situation unless you absolutely know that you need to and you know how you have the skill to deal with it. And then obviously if you don't if you know that something is is outside of your abilities, then well, what's your your choice? You better get away. You better run, <laughs> right? And then yeah. that's sometimes the decision that has to be made. So this is why I think um, promoting discipline and shooting requires learning who you are as a shooter. That requires measurement of performance and skill and ability, which reinforces your knowledge in, in yourself and your confidence and allows you to make better, smarter, uh, tactical decisions in the real world. Yeah. And, and we've talked about this before, I think a couple of times, um, you know, mentioning I, one that bring, bring uh, is coming to mind is when we talked about automaticity and like, um, you know, developing the technical skills to shoot is important. It, it, it absolutely is, but it's not the, it's not the end all be all of surviving a tactical, you know, situation or a deadly force situation that the, you, you can be the best shooter in, in the world, but if you don't understand how to apply those skills in a real world environment, well, then you may not survive. And conversely, you might be a really good tactician and that might, you know, set you up and you might be able to avoid situations. But once you get in there, if, you know, you can avoid it and you have no pistol skills or no fighting skills or, you know, then how are you, you can't deploy the, the tool that you have appropriately. So it's like that automaticity of knowing your skills, having them to, to the level where 
you know, when we go through that kind of a curve and say, hey, the, the, the skill set at this, you know, running rate, um, drills at this, at this level, at this, you know, standard suggests some automaticity, suggests that you don't really have to think technically about all these, you know, trigger press, uh, trigger press from this target to this target. Like I, I kind of, those, those kind of things are somewhat programmed. I don't need to think about my draw or clear my cover garment. If you can get to that level, then when these problems present themselves, then you can, you can observe the, the scenario in a bigger, wider scope and say, okay, there's cover here, or I need to move to this side of the car, or, you know, I, there, you know, what's my backdrop? I can't take, I, you know, there, there, I, I need to move because there's, there's people right behind here. If I move off to the side, now I have a better view or, or whatever it might be. So it, it allows you, like you said, to have a better solution to the problem and it might be a shooting solution it might be i'm just moving to cover and 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 that might be the solution that might be the actual better solution and so um i i think these skills knowing your skills getting it to a level where it's you know this suggests some automaticity in these skills and then being able to understand your skills and apply it in a real world situation gives you the best opportunity or statistically odds or however you want to put it um, of surviving multiple different types of scenarios that you might face in, in, in a defensive gun use. Yeah. Spot on, spot on, you know, uh, before we <clears throat> move to the next thing, I want to mention real quick uh, today's episode sponsor being one of them being barrelblock.com. Uh, a moment ago, uh, listener or viewer, Randy on Facebook asked about setting up a safe dry fire spot in his apartment. And he's like, well, no direction seems good. If I'm sticking to strict barrel pointing best practices is what his comment here reads. And uh, we, and I, my response was we covered that actually in the setting up at your dry fire dojo episode, just a couple episodes ago, season nine, episode two. And I was just thinking that's perfect segue as well for our barrel block sponsorship today because if you live in an apartment and you don't have a safe direction then you absolutely need to be using a barrel block in dry in dry practice uh we did talk about some strategies and ways of identifying where would be the best direction uh, possible in an apartment type situation but here's the thing use a barrel block completely block in a that chamber and barrel prevent that gun from being able to even chamber around, yell and fire around, make it completely, at least in the, as long as that barrel block's installed, inert. Okay. And that's mm-hmm. what I would say for you, Randy. But hey, guys, barrel block's a great product for any of us in dry practice because you, you cannot have a mistake as long as it's installed, you know? And that's one, mm-hmm. you know, how many times do we see stories pop up, Matthew, where it's like, well, you know, I was trying to, you know, do some dry, dry fire. And I accidentally put a hole in my wall or I put a hole in my TV or I put a hole in my fridge. That was one that was fun. And so, yeah, no, those wouldn't have happened. Number one, if we followed safe handling practices, but number two had a barrel block installed. So why not have that extra peace of mind? Go to barrelblock.com. That's barrelblock with a K.com. Those of you watching the video, there it is on the screen. Okay, so let's talk. We, we have just a little bit of time remaining for our episode today. Uh, what, does, what does disciplined shooting look like in, like in actually doing it? It, it, it? 
what I'd really like to hit on here, Matthew, if it's not clear, is what do you actually, I mean, think of in context of this accelerator still challenge uh, stage, right? Uh, the way that I think most people shoot it, there's a couple of ways, but I think the way I've seen most do it is they'll draw to the target on the far left target, which is a round plate. It's like 10 inches or something in diameter. And then they mm-hmm. go to the next target to, to its immediate right, which is a 18 inch by 24 inch rectangle. It's pretty big. It's a lot bigger than that, that, you know, circle uh, that you start on. And then they'll go to the far right, which is another 18 by 24 inch plate. That's a lot further distance. I can't remember the exact distances on this. I could have looked it up. And it's 60. I got it pulled up. It's six. The pa- the back targets are 60. Feet. So that's 20 yards. And the closest mm-hmm. ones are what? Seven or 10, 10, probably uh, th- th- 30 feet, 10 yards. Yep. So you're going yep. 10 yards and then you're going 20 yards. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So you're going hard, right to the big plate. And then they'll come back towards the middle because the stop plates in the middle. So they'll go big plate at the heart, right then the smaller circle, and then the stop plate in the middle. So basically you go far left, then the next left, then you go far right, then the next right, and then middle, okay, in that in that order. That's generally how I've seen this done. That's how I shoot the stage. Um, what do you need to actually see with a shooting challenge like that where we have throttle control in like sort of two different levels, two different depths, same targets, same relational size, but now we, we test ourselves on throttle control up close, and we test ourselves on throttle control far away. What do we need to see? What does that look like? I, I'd like to hear your thoughts first. Well, I, I think there's two ways of looking at this. And, and so, like, so the, the, the smaller target, if, if, we need to see, if we need to get a hit on a smaller target, whether that target is the same size target and just moved further away, which makes it smaller by nature um, visually, or it's actually physically smaller, it's really the same, the same thing. It's, so you're looking, you, you get that sight picture, and then based on the size of the target, uh, size you know what? I'm not saying you know a six-inch plate because a six-inch plate at you know 25 feet is different than a six-six-inch plate at you know six feet. Like it, it looks different. Um, so what you're seeing, what you actually see um, with that sight picture, then you say, okay, I need in order for me to get a hit, I need to you know I need a specific um, trigger press that that is acceptable at this, at this size. Right. And then, um, if you move too quick, then you, you have a, you have the potential to miss the, 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 the other side of that is I have a, a larger target and I use that same site picture and trigger press for the larger target. And that's not necessarily a good thing either. If speed is important because now you're taking too much time on a target that you don't need to have that much of a refined picture. So it's it the the I think the discipline comes by knowledge of what do I need on this end and what do I need on this end and then staying and then using the appropriate sight picture and trigger press for the for the target not I have this one you know, site alignment and trigger press for every solution. And, you know, and, and so for me to get a, a hit on a small target, I have to go really slow and 
I might as well use that same thing for this other target that's really large. And so there's no discernment or, or you know, um, so I don't know if that answers mm. the question, but like, I, no, I, I don't know. I think that's a great answer. I think it's a great place to start, especially. Uh, I know we're running out of time and folks, if you didn't know, Matthew's got a hard stop here coming up. So, um, <laughs> so let me throw at you one more thing. Uh, and this is my approach with this. And so I call it my stoplight analogy. If you've taken our uh, shooting fundamentals course on uh, Guardian University, uh, I explain this concept in that course. This is something I teach in my pistol intelligence course. The idea is that you need to learn to use appropriate sight pictures or sight movies, as my friend Tim Heron likes to call them, uh, based on relative difficulty or size of target. Okay, and so the stoplight analogy is that some some targets or certain sight pictures are going to be like a green light, some are a yellow light, and some are a red light. Uh, let me start with red light. Actually, it's really simple to explain a red one. What I need to see with a sight picture that is described as a red light uh, sight picture or red light target is that I got to see things. You know, if I'm shooting irons, I got to see things lined up perfectly, equal height, equal light, sort of stuff. And I need to see that relatively settled, meaning it's it's holding steady on the center of that target, of that difficult target. That's a red light target. Okay. So the smaller plate at 20 yards, in the case of this steel challenge drill accelerator, you need to see, if you're seeing, shooting irons, equal height, equal light, centered on the center of that round target. If you're shooting a red dot, you need to see an actual dot, not a streak or a flash of it, but a dot settled and holding steady over the middle of that steel target that that circle that smaller one at 20 yards that's what you're going to need to see to hit that reliably at that distance now the target next to that is that 18 by 24 inch plate at 20 yards that's a lot bigger and a lot more generous so that's what i would call a red light or excuse me a yellow light target and what that is i like to describe it as a floating sight picture, which I think is terminology that Max Michelle I first heard use. And I like that, meaning that I don't need to get things perfectly aligned and perfectly still, It just, but it needs to be in there. So in the case of a red dot on that 18 by 24 inch plate at 20 yards, man, as soon as that dot's in there, send it. You know, like it, it, I don't have to get it perfectly still. Um, and I don't want to have too much erratic behavior, like, like super, you know, like very, that's that's what I see on a green light target, but but it, it kind of needs to flow in there. As long as the dots within the 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 surface area of that target, then I'm probably good to send it. I mean, I want to be on the center more or less, but if I see that dot in there, send it. In the case of irons, they don't have to be perfectly aligned, and they don't have to be holding perfectly steady on the target either. But they need to be real. You know, they, they just can't be too too misaligned or too crazy. That's the harder one. The yellow range is a little is the more difficult one of these of these two concepts green light is that big target up close at 10 yards it really doesn't take a whole lot i mean you could basically you just just superimpose your gun the silhouette or the shape of your gun or your optic over top of that steel plate at 10 yards and send it because it's relatively close and it's a really big target you don't require a lot of aiming confirmation to accomplish that shot uh, and so, and that's what's unique about the shooting challenge and accelerator. The big one is, is definitely a green light up close. The smaller one is the close one. The, the close circle is more like a yellow 
caution. That means slow things down a little bit, see a little bit more, exercise a little caution, get things reasonably aligned and reasonably on the target, send it. Okay, same thing on the big target, the far distance, but then that smaller one, that's a red light for sure. So wish I had more time to go. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit before as well. And I'll give you a couple other podcast episodes of ours that, where some of these concepts are definitely talked about and sometimes in greater depth. Uh, season eight, episode 15 with Charlie Perez called Aiming Solutions with Charlie, Charlie Perez. We just had that a couple of months ago. Uh, another good episode where some of this is touched on uh, was actually two episodes with Tim Heron where we talked about iron sights or red dots. That's season seven, episodes 16, part one and part two. And then also, I think we even touched a little bit on this on. Um, where was it? I had it here. Season seven, episode 21, transitions on single value targets. So you guys can go reference those those episodes for additional uh, context and information on this topic. So we're probably out of time, aren't we? Well, we got a couple more minutes. We're, we're, I know we're getting close to the end, but yeah, I, I, I agree totally. And, and I think we've, we've covered it and we don't need to belabor it, but that's, that's the, that's where the discipline comes in, right? Like un, we, we can tell somebody that and they can nod their head and say, yep, I get it. Like, but like actually having the discipline in the moment to recognize it and to slow down or to speed up even like some people, they, they're just, they shoot too methodically. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're like, you can go faster. I mean, I, I guess yep. that might be a better yep. solution in some, in some aspects, but like it, it can go both ways. And so it's like in the moment, like, and, and, and when you tell somebody, Hey, you had tons more time, you could have, you know, you just went too quickly. If you just would have dialed it back, like, you know, one little 10%, you would have been in and you would have only probably made, you know, maybe it would have been half a second more. Um, but you try to go too quick and you missed. And, and so mm -hmm. it's like, um, that's where the discipline and that's where knowing your, your abilities and, and, and practicing comes. It, it, that's, I think that's probably the only way that you actually develop that ability is through repetition and know and knowledge of yourself and your abilities and seeing it over and over and over and then kind of ingraining it in your mind of like, I recognize that, that that's something I recognize. Mm -hmm. It is something that requires multiple numerous exposures, meaning that you've set up targets of different difficulties at different distances and sort of experiment with what you have to see site picture wise and and then what you can also kind of get away with too and still get acceptable hits and you sort of start building this mental you know cognitive database of you know based on this relative size of target at you know whatever distance this is what i need to see or i'm not going to hit it right your example a moment ago of people going too slow let me give you an example of what that looks like going too slow that's that person is the person that on with respect to this shooting drill we're talking about today, accelerator in steel challenge. So a 18 inch by 24 inch steel plate at 10 yards is massive. You know, a hit anywhere on that scores the same as one in the dead center. That's a huge target area, even just at, even at 10 yards. Okay. A person going too slow is the person that's making sure they don't send a shot until they see perfect side alignment holding still on that target not required not required okay if you're shooting irons chances are all i gotta do is just 
happen to see that my front sight's somewhere on that target, and that's probably good enough, regardless of where that rear sight is. I mean, obviously, I could have things really misaligned, but if you have reasonably good fundamentals and mechanics and you know grip and all that, like as soon as I see front sight on that thing, man, send press trigger, okay? Because if you're waiting to see a perfect sight picture on that big of a target, that close, then you are shooting too slow. The flip side of that, the person that is shooting too fast, the person that has a lot of misses, and that's the person that tr treats a yellow target or a red target like like a green one, meaning they're like, oh, I see my front sight, and they're shooting that target at 20 yards. Not good enough alignment. Need to see a little more, okay, to get a good hit. And But they're like, oh, I see my front sight. Send it. you know. Or in the case of a red dot, they see a flash of red kind of on the target. And they're like, yeah, send it. But it's it's just a flash. Instead, they need to see it kind of float in there a little bit. Yeah. Different sight pictures for different target. And I always like to think in terms of relative size. Relative size. And you learn this too with practice, right? If I'm shooting certain iron sights, as I shoot targets, I, I learn that, hey, when a target relative to my sight look, you know, for instance, seven yard a zone right front side is well within that well within like the the a zone swallows my front sight right it even swallow it probably swallow eh, my rear sight might be kind of like depending on the action you know it's going to vary from gun to gun and actual sight to sight right but depending on, on some of my guns an a zone is almost the exact width of my rear sight okay like rel you know like just just looking at the relative size comparisons, right? But you got a target like that, a, a USPSA A zone of seven yards, man, front sight just needs to be in there somewhere. Chances are it's going to connect, right? But now I shoot that same A zone at 25. Now that front sight is maybe is about as big as the A zone. You see what I mean? And so you kind of learn this, like I said, you build this database of like visual information. And so when you transition to a target, you, you can start to quickly gauge that, Oh, my, my, my sights are fitting within that target area. So how much alignment is really necessary or, Ooh, that target starting to look pretty small compared to my sight. So now I got to really make sure things get lined up and centered over the target area. Or in the case of a dot, uh, I like, I like running six MOA dots, six MOA dot at 25 yards is 1.5 inches relative size. You know, if I'm shooting a zones, I don't have to have it like super perfect still, but I got to see it pretty clearly. And certainly I've had shots. We had a match just a month or two ago where I had to make a head, head a box hit at 25 yards. Yeah. That now, now that dot barely fits within that head a box. And so what do I got to see? I got to stop, pause, see a perfectly clear dot centered right in that zone. Super careful trigger press. Bam. Right. It's very different than that dot. I mean, it's completely engulfed, completely swallowed by that A zone at seven yards. Right. And so as soon as I see any like flash of red in there, wow, send it. Bah, bah, bah. You know what I mean? So develop again, learn your limits, develop the, the discipline to hold yourself to those limits. And even when the stress comes, you have to just go, hey. I know that I feel this urge to go fast or I'm feeling this pressure, but I got to hold myself to the process. And the process here is I have to see what I need to see to make this hit count. Right on. Final words? 
I can't, I, I don't want to add anything to it. Cause that's, that's a good, uh, that's a good conclusion, man. I, I, yeah, just, just, just put the work in guys. Like that, that's, that's really all that, all that it boils down to is, is you, you can't get better if you don't, if you don't put the work in. So, yep. Both in live fire and dry fire. And we're primarily talking yep. about, yep. you know, with respect to shooter rate challenge videos uh, from a dry fire context, you can reinforce everything we just talked about in dry practice. Absolutely. You can set mm-hmm. up scaled targets in your home, in your garage, in your shops, wherever it is you do dry fire. You can set up scaled targets so you can start reinforcing these concepts of what do I need to see based on the size of my gun and sight relative to the target I'm engaging to get a, 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 the appropriate sight picture based on that that target difficulty. So let it start in dry practice and carry it over into live fire. Speaking of dry practice, uh, before we let you go, final episode sponsor today, dryfireproshop.com. Uh, relatively new sponsor of the show and relatively new business business venture. We've we've sold dry fire products on concealedcarry.com and some of our other websites for a number of years now, but we decided to create a whole new uh, home for these pro- products. Anything dry fire related, we are adding to dryfireproshop.com. And so if you if you are in a position where you're like, man, I need some dry fire gear, I want to get a barrel block. I mean, you can go to barrelblock.com. Uh, I want some dummy rounds. I want some, uh, I don't know, whatever, like what whatever you're using dry fire. <laughs> <laughs> Brain's uh, fried right now. Anything you need dry fire related, we're putting it up on dryfireproshop.com. One-stop shop. Pick up your gear, get to work, get to practice in dry fire. And if, if there's something that you'd like to see on dryfireproshop.com, let us know. We'll try to make sure we get those products up there. Appreciate you guys supporting our sponsors. Today's episode sponsors were laserapp.com, barrelblock.com, and again, we just mentioned dryfireproshop.com. And that's all time we have for today. Thanks, guys, for being a part of this episode. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, sir. So, guys, until next time, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.